This podcast is presented by Pastor Greg Wheat and Christian Life Church in Lexington and Purcell, Oklahoma. For more information, visit ChristianLifeOK.com. How many of you can identify with that? Just a few of us, right? Talking about decisions. The rest of you are lying, and will be a special place at the end of the service for prayer for you, Okay. We all have problems making decisions just like that. Decisions are a real problem for people, especially us men. Can I just tell you, women, when you send us to the grocery store with a list, right, and you say, get a bag of chips. I mean, there's, have you been down the chip aisle lately? I mean, there's a million chips to choose from, decisions, and we're looking at all the chips. I mean, you've got to be specific. And even then, you know, it's hard to find the right brand, the right kind, the right size, the right flavor, whatever it may be. So decisions, we all have problems with making decisions and knowing what to do. It's kind of like, um, like this. What do you do when you are in the shower and you mistake baby oil for um, conditioner. What do you do? This really happened to me when I was in the fourth grade, okay? Fourth grade, my dad went to work, my mom went to work, and I'm getting ready for school. I go in and take a shower to get around for school, and, and I look over, and I'm like, oh, conditioner for my hair. Instead, it was baby oil. I grabbed it, poured it on my hair, you know, rubbed it in like that, and got out of the shower, rinsed it out. But when I got out of the shower, I realized that my head was a grease ball, and it wasn't coming out. I'm drying it. It wasn't drying. I didn't know what to do. I was in the fourth grade. What do you do? What do you do? And so I did what most people did. I just didn't go to school, you know. And then I was afraid I was going to get in trouble because I didn't go to school. And at the end of the day, before my parents got home and I knew everybody was back home from school, I, I called a friend. I was like, dude, you know, I, I had this problem this morning. What was it? And I told them. And, and they were laughing on the other end like they would know what to do in the fourth grade too. And I heard his mother say in the background, just use some... Use some dish soap. That ought to get it out. So I went in and used dish soap. And can I tell you, Dawn does cut grease away. It works. So if that ever happens to you, now you'll know what to do. What do you do uh, when you have to drive somewhere and the only car available to you is a manual and you don't know how to drive a stick shift? What do you do? Right? How many of you know how to drive a manual? Wow. Wow. I was, I'm surprised at that. You know, that's good. How many young people really know how to drive a manual? They don't. Most of them don't. There's one hand. Okay. There's two. Okay. So there's a few that do. Most young people, this generation, really doesn't, hasn't learned how to drive a manual. But what do you do if you have to go somewhere and, you, and the only car available is a manual? What do you do, really, when you're flying somewhere? You're in a hurry. You're going to the airport. You've got to catch a flight. You're running behind. And you run up to the, the counter. You check in. Get your ticket. And they want to, what do they want to do next? They want to see your luggage. So you put your luggage up there. They weigh it. Right? And then you realize that both suitcases are overweight. What do you do then? Right? What do you do in a case like that? You turn around because this really happened to us. We're flying with a group of people. I mean, like, put your suitcases up. Weigh your suitcases. Whoever had the lightest suitcase, that's, that's what got our stuff. We opened up right there in the middle, opened up our suitcases, started pulling this stuff out, dirty laundry and everything, and put it in their suitcase. So what do you do in crisis? What do you do in those situations? So what do you do when you're trying to read something? And you can't quite read it because you can't read cursive. How many of you know they're not teaching cursive anymore, right? What do you do? What, what is this generation going to do when they can't read something because it's in cursive? I think someone ought to write a book in cursive and then make every person try to read it. What do you do when your electronic devices go haywire and the only thing you know how to do is push the on button? Really happens. 
really happens to most people. What do you do in those cases? What do you do when, now, let's just be real, okay? Can we be real? Turn to someone and say, let's be real. What do you do when you're with a bunch of coworkers, okay, and you're in a car, a long car ride, and, you, and you've got a four-hour trip ahead of you, and you've eaten beans for lunch? What do you do? Now, some of you are going to get that in a second, but what do you do? You know, it's very uncomfortable. So what do you do in a case like that? You don't know what to do sometimes. What do you do when you go to a drive-thru, okay, and you place your order? You go, you pull up, you push the button, and no one answers. What do you do in a case like that? And you push the button again, no one answers. You push the button again, no one answers. And finally, someone taps you on the shoulder and said, we should read the sign. It says temporarily out of business, you know. Really happened. We're on vacation. We're driving through. It's early in the morning. We drive through a McDonald's of all places, and there's no barricade, there's nothing, the parking lot was empty, we're like, well, everybody's, you know, maybe it's just a drive through thing, and so we go to the drive through post, push the button, no one answers, no one answers, Janelle, it's like, she's getting frustrated, like, are, is there anybody working today, oh my gosh, you know, and then we finally see the big sign above the, the speaker, you know, the speaker's here and the sign's right above it, we just didn't read the sign, it says temporarily out of business, so what do you do in a case like that, what do you do, so what do you do when, when um, you're at someone's house, or maybe at work? And you're in the restroom, and you realize there is no toilet paper. I mean, these are real things. Can I just be real? What do you do? This happens at work a few times. You know, this, this may have happened to you at someone's house. What do you do in a case like that? That's a very nerve-wracking situation. These are just real things about not knowing what to do. And, and if you work at the daycare, apparently this happened, you know, last week, and, and someone um, was kind of screaming out, needing some help, and, and finally someone grabbed, we have these big rolls, you know, it's not just, the, I mean, these big rolls, and they undid the roll a little bit, and they took a picture, but they rolled, started rolling it out under the door, you know, to the person, right? And so this roll was blocked at the door, and the roll just kind of started coming off, off the roll. Anyway, that, what do you do in those places? What do you do in those circumstances? What do you do when you're trying to help somebody, for example? You're going down the road, and you're out to eat with some friends, and and, and you, you come across a damsel in distress, someone who has a flat tire on the side of the road. What do you do? You know, so what do you do? We, in our case, took our wives, dropped them off at the restaurant. They went in to get seats, and me and this other man decided to go back and help this person who has a flat tire on the side of the road. They were literally, you know, 15, 20 feet away from pulling in the parking lot, but they stopped right there. So we didn't know what to do. She didn't have a spare, and so what do you do? We try to push the car. We can't push the car. So we decided to go get my little Jeep. That's what Jeeps are for. My Jeep is in the parking lot. I went and go get the Jeep, and we started pushing this car from the street into the parking lot. She was very thankful, but then a smart aleck said, why didn't you just drive it? Think about that. It's drivable. We pushed it with a car. Anyway, I thought it was humorous. What do you do when you want to chip some golf balls? Any golf golfers here? What do you do when you want to chip some golf balls? Okay. But you don't want to lose the golf balls because you're not on a golf course. You're just out in a field. You set your wives out in front of you at a distance away. Safe distance, safe distance. But a friend of mine accidentally chipped the, the ball a little too far. He couldn't see where it went. And all of a sudden, his wife stood straight up. She was sitting in a chair, stood straight up and started grabbing her knee. Apparently, he hit her right on the knee with this golf ball. So what do you do then? What do you do when you know your wife's been hit with a golf ball and she's very angry? These are lots of different situations that you may have encountered yourself. What do you do? What do you do? And this is the title of my sermon. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Right? It's a really, really tough question to answer. What do you do 
when you don't know what to do. I want to encourage you to write that down because it's something we've all come across in different situations in our life. Every one of us have found ourselves in some situation, right? Whether you're a teenager, whether you know, you're an adult, doesn't matter your age, your gender, we've all found ourselves in predicaments and situations where we just don't know what to do. And we didn't know where to turn and what to do. So maybe it's a big decision you've had to make. How many of you have ever had to make a big decision and you just didn't know what to do? How many of you have had a major crisis happen, something going on at home or, or some situation, and you just didn't know how to handle it, didn't know what to do? Maybe you did something stupid, right? And after the fact, you realize, you know what, that was just stupid, but you didn't know what to do. We've all been in those circumstances where we've had big decisions and crises or we've done something stupid and we just didn't know what to do after that. Not only that, but you didn't know what to do, but you don't know how you got in the mess in the first place. And worse than that, you don't know how to get out of it either. So you didn't know how you got into it. You don't know how to get out of it. Then what do you do? And can I just tell you this? This is something we all have in common. Every one of us struggle with this. Every one of us have situations that are different than the person sitting next to you where we've we've battled something, we just didn't know how to handle it, didn't know what to do. We've all had those situations. So this morning, I want us to read a story out of the Word of God that will help us see that you're not alone, that there are other people that struggled with knowing what to do. Can I just tell you, I shared one of them with you this morning during the offering opportunity that we have to do every Sunday to worship God through tithe and offering. This woman didn't know what to do. Okay, and so this morning we're going to read this verse of scripture, 2 Kings chapter 4. I encourage you to write it down, 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 7. And when we read the story, I want you to put yourself in the story. I want you to put yourself in this person's situation, all right? And ask yourself, what would you do? Okay? So 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Let's read it. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. Now, there's a difference between Elijah, who we read earlier, and Elisha. Elisha followed Elijah. Okay? And so this, this woman cried out. And it's important to understand this woman from the company of prophets, cried out. Turn to someone and say, cried out. Cried out to Elisha. She didn't just say, hey, Elisha. She cried out to Elisha. Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditors are coming to take my two boys as their slaves. Now, can I just tell you... um, that, I just, I'm just going to say it. That sucks. That's a bad situation. And most of us, if you were in her shoes, would feel the same way. What reward is in this? My husband, who loved the Lord, means our family served God. And now he's gone. And now the creditors are coming to take my sons away. Back then, can I just tell you, women didn't have rights at all. And they were left to fend for themselves in a situation situation like this. No one was going to step in and help them. And so she was in a desperate, desperate situation. They were in debt, and she didn't know what to do. And can you imagine how she must have felt 
when she realized that there's nothing else to do, I don't know what to do, the creditors are coming not to take her home, but they're coming to take her sons and make them slaves to pay off the debt. Now, what mother would ever, what father would ever want that? for their family, but that's what she was facing. She was in a crisis, and she didn't know what to do. So because she didn't know what to do, she called out to Elisha. Okay, verse 2, Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? It's important to follow this and understand the story. So what can I do to help you? And better yet, what do you have in your house? And this is what she said. Your servant has nothing, and maybe you feel that way. Just like I said earlier, we, we give you an opportunity to worship God and tithe an offering. It's not a tithe and offering sermon. I'm just saying we've all understood this. We get in these predicaments. I have nothing. How can I give? And this is what he asks her. What do you have? She's in a predicament. She doesn't know what to do. And she says, well, that's great. Your servant, I have nothing at all. She said, except, turn to someone and say, except, there is that one little thing I have, except a small jar of olive oil. That's all she's got. That's it. How can you survive on a small jar of olive oil? She knows this. The creditors are banging on her door, and she's got one jar of olive oil. Then verse 3, Elisha said, go. Go around and ask all of your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Man, there's so many sermons I could write on this one passage of Scripture. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you. And you and your sons pour oil into the jars. And as each is filled, put one aside. So basically, she's supposed to go gather these jars, as many as she can. Not a few, but as many as she can. And she's supposed to take her one jar of oil... And pour it into these other jars until they are filled, okay? So she left him. She shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. Now, remember, all she had was one jar. But the scripture says that she kept pouring. As many jars that were coming, she kept pouring. This was a miracle of God. Can I tell you, God will provide every time if you dare believe and step out in faith. And do what God is asking us to do. Most of us get crippled in fear. Most of us think, oh, no, it's all I got. I got to hold on to it. No, 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 no. I can't give that. I can't share that. I can't give it. God, God if you want this, sorry, it's mine. And we hold on to it with a death grip. And, and because you got a death grip on it, you know, you're afraid to turn loose. You're liable to die there with it because you're afraid to trust God and let him use what you have. So she went in, she trusted, and she began to pour. And as long as she began to pour, the word of God says, all of the jars that she had began to be filled. All right, so she started out with one, and now she's got many. She left him, shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars of her, to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. Right? Isn't that, isn't that the case? This is awesome. This is exciting. Great. Keep it coming. Bring me another one. And then her sons replied, there are no jars left. Bummer. Right? Because the prophet said, get some jars and not a few. And so now she realizes There's no more jars. And what does the word of God say? Verse 6 at the end, it says, Then the oil stopped flowing. I get chills, to be honest with you, the minute I read that. As long as she had jars to fill, 
And as long as she was willing to keep pouring what little bit she had, God was providing, right? Can you imagine how she could have been set up for life had she gathered the whole town full of jars instead of just the few that she gathered? So that's what she did, verse 7. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay off your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. So she paid off her debt. She was saved. God blessed her. And it's a great, great story. And there are several things that we can learn from this story. And I'm going to share those things with you this morning. What do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you don't know what to do about your marriage? And maybe some of you are struggling in some issue, something in your marriage. Just something's just not right. You don't seem to be gelling just right. And, and you're bickering about one issue or something, you can't seem to get over that, or there's some issues going on and, and you can't seem to get past it and you don't know what to do. What do you do in a situation like that? What do you do when you're not seeing eye to eye? What do you do when you're, you're not getting along? Or what do you do when you're at odds about a decision you got to make uh, as a married couple? What do you do when you're having struggles with your wife or your husband? And, and what do you do with the conflict that's there? And what do you do with the miscommunication that's going on? And you're, you're trying to communicate, but there's that one thing that you know, don't ever bring that one thing up, right? Because it's going to be a fight. It's going to be on. You bring that up, it's on. And, and you don't ever bring that up until you're trying to get even, right? You're in an argument with somebody, your spouse, right? And you know, never go there until... You want to do a punch below the belt, right? Then you go there because, you know, oh, yeah, deal with this, bam, right? And so what do you do in those situations? What do you do about this situation of marriage and your spouse? What do you do when you have a family situation, a, a family member, and you don't know what to do with a family member, and something's going on in your family, and you just don't know what to do about that situation? What do you do about a friendship that you have, and, and there's a struggle going on there, and you just don't know how to handle it, or you don't know what words to say, and you don't know how to approach them. What do you do in a relationship that you may be in? What do you do about a job situation? You just don't know what to do about it. Maybe there's a better job, and you don't know if you should go for that or apply for it, or, or maybe you're having a struggle on the job you're having, and, and you have, and you don't know what to do about the situation. You're having a struggle with a coworker. You're having a struggle with maybe the job at hand. You're struggling with knowing how to do it and doing it better. Maybe it's a money situation, and everybody can identify with all these, and you just, you're in a situation, I just don't know what to do about it, okay? Maybe you're, you're in a situation where there's a misunderstanding with somebody, and you just don't know how to handle it. You've had this misunderstanding with a person, a family member, a coworker, a neighbor, you know, and you just don't know what to do. Maybe it's a personal struggle. Can I tell you, everyone here, everyone has a personal struggle. So if you're here this morning and you're struggling with something personally, can I tell you, you, hear me, are not alone. Because everyone here is a work in progress. Every one of us here are struggling with something personally. Okay? And maybe you've struggled with it your whole life, most of your life. Maybe it's something recent. And and you just don't know what to do about it. You're in a situation... And you're asking yourself, what do I do when I don't know what to do with this personal struggle? These are all real issues that we all need to understand and we all battle. So if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you four do's for your dilemma that we can learn from this scripture. Okay, that was good. I worked on that a long, long, long time. Four do's for your dilemma. All right? And these are all things that we can glean from and learn from the story uh, that we just read. Number one, write this down, request. 
request. That means ask, okay? In other words, pray. Turn to someone and say pray. Now, I know what you're thinking right now, okay? Well, that's easy, Pastor. I mean, I thought you were going to give me something really good to help me know what to do when I don't know what to do. Whether you realize it or not, this is some good advice. Elbow the person next to say good advice because it's true. The, the problem with it is most of us don't do it. You know, we utter a quick prayer at the dinner table. We bow our heads really quickly at the lunch table. God is good. God is great. Thank you for this food. Amen. And that's about the extent of our prayer life. Okay? And if you expect to know what to do in situations where you don't know what to do, it starts out by requesting. You have to have a lifestyle of asking. You've got to have a lifestyle. Turn to someone and say lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. It's not something you do when you're in the middle of a struggle. Yes, pray in a struggle, but you have to begin to, to develop a lifestyle of prayer, okay? You have to develop a lifestyle of requesting, asking, and, and praying. You know, it's like this family who was trying to teach their, their kids. Growing up, they want to teach their kids the principles of faith and taking them to church, and they took them to church, and they, the kids were being raised in church, and the family was teaching these kids how to pray and to do what's right and to follow God and and, and one afternoon, they got a call, and some, uh, some visitors were going to come by and visit this family. And so they got the house cleaned up like we always do, you know, get everything cleaned up, tidied up, start fixing the lunch. And, and so when the visitors came by and they sat down for the lunch, the mother asked her son that, you know, they lived in the house, why don't you pray over our lunch? And the son did what most 10-year-old boys would do, or most grown adults would do even, this 10-year-old boy looked at his mom like with big eyes and said, I can't do it. And, and she realized that she was, you know, he was putting on the spot, putting put on the spot and nervous. And she said, don't worry about it, hon. Tell you what you do. You just pray the same prayer your father prayed at breakfast. He shrugged his shoulders and thought it's a good idea. He said, let's pray. So they bowed their heads and he began to pray, dear Lord, why do we have to eat lunch with these awful people? Some of you will get that in a minute. Because... You've been there. Your kids have repeated something you didn't want repeated, and, and they didn't realize it, and they said it anyway. But in verse 1 in this story, this person cried out. She made a request from Elisha. And can I just tell you this? You may think to yourself, I got this. I don't know what to do about the situation, but guess what? I'll pull myself up by the bootstraps. I got this. I got this. I don't need your help, anybody's help. I'll figure it out. I'll make it happen. And, and some of you can identify with this. Maybe you know someone like this, that they don't ask for help about anything. You know? And so you may think to yourself, I got this. But can I tell you, that's when life will slap you upside the head and tell you and show you how stupid you are. That's a fact. Let me tell you this. Life can be tough. Don't be afraid of life. But life can be tough. And, and I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to. You better be wearing a jock strap. Some of you are just appalled, aren't you? I mean, can we loose, turn to someone and say, loosen up? You're going to get that in a minute. And the reason why I say that, I'm just being real, because life will kick you where it counts, and it will hurt. I'm just being real this morning. And yeah, I may be a little blunt and over the top. I'm sorry. If it offended you, I'll pray about it and say it again next week. The point of the matter is, life can be tough. And at times, it's going to be at the point where life will beat you up. 
hurt you, exhaust you, drag you, and leave you for dead. That's its goal. Can I tell you the Bible says, you know what your enemy, your adversary, you know what his goal is? You know what the devil's goal is? To do what I just said. To kill, steal, and destroy your life. And he can use life to beat you down until you feel this way. Until to where you feel like this, this poor widow. Well, I don't know what to do. I'm in a situation where now I don't know what to do. So you can try all you want to muster up the strength. And men have this problem more than women. I can do this. I'm a tough guy. I'll make it through. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll get her done. Right? And you're going to get a little ways. But you're not going to get far. Okay? The truth of the matter is this. You are nothing and you can do nothing apart from God. It's simple. And that's the truth. You are nothing and can do nothing apart from God. Well, this is a real pick-me-up, Pastor. Thank you. But it's the truth. We try to push our way through life, and we try to get through life on our own, and we say a little whisper of a prayer here and there and think that's good enough, and it's not enough. I mean, try putting, you know, 50 cents of gas in your car and see how far you get, right? But that's how we're living life. We kind of get 50 cents of prayer here and there and hope that we can make it to the next mile. And it's not the way God wants us to live. you got to fill up the tank, right, if you expect to get anyways far. And it's the same in our lives. You've got to stay full of God's presence, praying and seeking his face so that you're full of his presence. And you can try and try on your own strength, but you will fail. Can I tell you this? Every, turn to someone and say every, every Bible hero that you can think of, that you can list, and you can bring to my attention at some point in their life, every one of them cried out to God for help. Every one of them. They weren't dumb enough to think that they could just do it on their own. All right? They realized that they needed to invoke and ask for God's help to live their lives. Okay? And we've got to do the same thing. What makes us think that we're so special that we can do anything on our own? What makes us think that we're so special that we can, we can do whatever we want to do when we really don't know what to do? We must pray. It's simple. That's the first thing you got to do. You got to make a request and you've got to get in the repetition of requesting, okay? And seeking God's wisdom. James chapter 1 verse 5. Write this down. If any of you, that means you, that means me, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask. He should request of God who gives generously to all without fault and it will be given to you. Can I just tell you this? Prayer is simply having a conversation with God. That's all it is. And you need to get in the habit of having a conversation with God on a regular basis. Find a time on a regular basis to get with God and just begin to pour out your heart and your soul. For all the the deer hunters, you know, tomorrow is what? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You know, when you're in the tree stand... Call out to God. Spend that time in prayer, not just about a big buck walking by, right? Spend some time regularly in prayer every day, you know, so spend that time in prayer. Don't wait until you're in the ditch to pray. We should pray about all things on all occasions. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Proverbs 16, 3. Ask the Lord to bless your plans, and the Word of God says He will do that. 
Ask the Lord to bless your plans. So when you don't know what to do, number one, ask. Seek wisdom. Turn to someone and say ask. Number two, receive. So you've already got a request. Now you're going to receive. Number two, listen is what it basically means. So you're asking God, I don't know what to do in this situation. And you're praying about it regularly, not just once and not just a little bit here and there. You, you spend time praying regularly to God about your situation. And then you've got to receive. You've got to listen. The, the word of God, the story we read, the widow listened to Elisha. Okay? Can I ask you this? Who are you listening to? Are you listening to Facebook? Is that where you're getting all your advice from about how you should handle some situation in life? Are, are, you, are, you, are you on Instagram and Snapchat? And, or maybe you listen to talk radio and that's where you get your you know, wisdoms from on how to live life. And, and maybe you search the web for all your answers. Hey, Google. Hey, Surrey. Right? Whatever it may be for you. And you're trying to get answers to life that way. And maybe, guys, you're, you're listening to all the buddies at work. You know, I'm having this struggle, and I'm, you know, I need some advice. And what would you say? You know, I tell you, wrong crowd most of the time. You know, I've said this before. I'm, I'm struggling with this issue. My wife, she just won't shut up. She keeps nagging me. You know what advice you're going to get from your buddies at work? <laughs> the wrong advice. Well, you better go home, put your foot down, show her who's boss, right? You try that and see what happens. You know, all the women said amen. <laughs> They're afraid to say amen. Okay. Girls, ladies, it's the same for you. You know, when you don't know what to do, don't run to your, all your gossiping girls at work and ask for advice, okay? Because they're liable to give you the wrong advice and mess your life up, okay? So who are you listening to? The things you listen to direct your direction and your decisions, which affect your destiny. So you got to be choosy who you're listening to. Find someone you trust. Find someone you trust and let them speak into your life. Someone who's got your best interest at heart. Someone who will tell you straight up in a loving way, this is what I see for your life. Proverbs 1.5 says, a wise person listens and is yet wiser. And then listen to what God is saying to you. But you can't do that if you're running around and you never take the time to request and seek and then you don't take the time to listen. Can I tell you I share this with you because I do this on a regular basis. I spend time asking God. I pray for you and your needs. I pray for our church. I pray for my family. I pray for all the things that you pray about in your personal life. I pray, and then I pray this regularly in a time with just me and God. And there are times that I just listen after praying. God, speak to me. God, show me. And he always does. It may be through a song. It may be through a word, a message that I hear. Just like you, it may be through the word of God. So listen to what God is saying through your prayer time. Listen to what God is saying through church services. He's speaking to you this morning. Listen to what God is saying when you read the scripture. Can I tell you, you're going to grow like crazy. And you're going to begin to get some wisdom that, that wasn't there before. The more you spend time reading the word of God. Because he's speaking to you there. And I haven't got time to go into all of that. But read the word of God and listen to what it is saying. Because it is speaking to you and how you should live your life. When you don't know what to do, you need to request and listen and then seek the counsel of others. The one who hears God's instruction today, listen, can develop a clear direction for tomorrow. And that is so true. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? Number three, reflect. Turn to someone and say reflect. Can I tell you in verse two, this widow reflected. Okay, she had to reflect. He asked her a question and he said, what do you got? 
You're asking me to do something for you, but what do you have? Okay? And so you've got to reflect on your life and say, what do I have? And you know what she said? She said, all I have is this one jar. That's all I got. And this may be you this morning. This is all I've got. This is all the hope I got left. Okay? This is all the joy I got left, and it's probably not even full. It's just like a little bit. Maybe this is you. But the prophet said, what do you have? She reflected on what she had, and she had one jar. And I want to challenge you to reflect on your resources. What resources? When you don't know what to do, what resources do you have in hand around you that can help you? What are your resources that you've got? Think about everything you have available to you that can help you in your situation. Think about everything you have that can help you get through whatever it is you need to get through. And if you think about it, okay, if you reflect on it, something will come to mind. Oh, yeah, I've got this, and this will help me. Or, oh, yeah, God will give you an idea. Also reflect on everything God has done. Can I tell you, I keep a place on my computer, and I write down things. You know, I feel like when God's speaking to me, man, I, I, I write it down. And I reflect on those things. You know, God did this for me. God did that for me. And I can tell you, if I could just take a whole service, which I can't, I can, I can tell you stories from the time I gave my life to God at 14 up until this day of all the things that God helped me with and through. And there are times that you need to reflect because that's what you've got in your hand. You need to reflect on the things God has done for you in the past because what he's done in the past, he can do again in the future. Okay? So you need to reflect on those things. Reflect it in the Word of God. See it in the Word of God. There are stories there that will encourage you and help you and give you wisdom when you don't know what to do. Reflect it in your own life. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? Number four, react. Okay? You've got to react. You've got to do something. All right? What good would it have done when the prophet said, well, what do you got? I just got a jar. That's all I got. And she did nothing with it. Well, I want you to go and do this. Well, that sounds good. Thanks. Good advice, but I'll, I'll, I'll think about it. She would have missed it, and she would have died, and she would have also lost her family just like that. You know why? Because she just wasn't going to do it, and many of us are that way. God's giving you wisdom. God's telling you what to do. You're finally kind of getting a, a grip on it, and, and, and you have to step out in faith, and maybe, and you know, you hear a message or a sermon or you're in prayer or you read the Word of God, and you're encouraged to step out and begin to do something but you're kind of afraid to. You don't want to do it, so you just don't do anything. What good would it have done her to hear all this wisdom because she didn't know what to do, and then when she was told, she did nothing? And we are all in that same boat. You've got to begin to react. And she did this. And so you read it for yourself. Go back and read it, verse 5 through 7. The widow reacted. She took a step. And can I tell you this? You don't have to see the whole staircase to take the first step. But many of us want to see everything. God, give me some wisdom. Give me some answers. But I want you to tell me everything and show me everything before I begin to step out and do what I'm supposed to do. No, maybe God's just giving you one step at a time. And he's saying, you take that first step, and then we'll give you the rest. But we're so terrified, we're afraid to take that first step. We all know, I can't do that. And you may not see the rest of the staircase. You've got to begin to put one foot in front of the other and take that first step. What if it's the wrong step? Because that's what people say. I don't know what to do, but what if I take the wrong step? Guess what? you take the wrong step in the wrong direction, you're just one step away from the right direction. All you got to do is 
You take a step in this direction, oh, it was wrong. Then turn around and go this direction. It's that simple. Okay, so don't be afraid. I'm going to tell you this. This is just another reason why you need to be in church on a regular basis. And I'm not going to apologize about saying it. You need to be in church on a regular basis. Read the Word of God on a regular basis. Pray on a regular basis because it's all those things that are pouring into your life and pouring into your soul. And your life is like a sponge. Whatever it's filled with is eventually going to come out. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, you really live your life. So what are you being filled with? Okay. The more you're open to God and the things of God, the more He's going to speak to you, the more He's going to lead you, the more He's going to guide you, the more He's going to help you, and the more He's going to fill you the more you're open to God. So you have to ask yourself that. How open are you really to God? Can I tell you, this has a lid on it. What good would it do for the widow to start pouring the oil over the lid? It's not going to work. You've got to open yourself up to God and allow Him to pour Himself into you on a regular basis in order for you to be filled with the abundance that you need to get through life. That's exactly what she did. Can I tell you this? This is a promise. God is good about being God. He's good about being God. He's got it under control. Ain't nobody going to be God better than God. Amen. God is good at being God. God is good at doing his job. Okay? And he can take your little bit and he can turn it into a lot. He can take your little bit of whatever you got willing to give to him and he can turn it into a lot. If you're willing to step out in faith. In 1990, a young man was desperate. He didn't know what to do. He was desperate for money and cash. And so he decided to rob a bank. He goes in, robs a bank, gets away with $6,000. $6,000. He goes on the run. A few days later, the police catch up with him, find him, arrest him, take him to jail. A few days later, he went to court, sentenced to prison. And he had to stay there for six years. And during that process... They analyzed his weapon, and they realized that it was a rare 45 caliber handgun that was only one of a hundred made. It was so rare that it was valued at a hundred thousand dollars. Now, think about this. He robbed a bank and got away with six thousand. Was caught, thrown in jail. The gun he had in his hand was worth a hundred thousand dollars dollars and he didn't even realize it just think about that he had he had something in his hand that he didn't realize the value of and if he would have realized that he wouldn't have got in the mess and the same thing applies to your life what do you do when you don't know what to do you've got to apply these things i gave you and realize what you have in god and the things he's given you and the abilities he's given you let me ask you what's in your hand what do you have available? And maybe all you had, like I said earlier, is just a little pot of oil. That's it. Or maybe you have just a little bit of hope in the jar. Can I tell you this? Whatever it is, it's more than enough to get you through if you allow God to do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bow our heads in prayer and we ask that you help us. Lord, with the question, what do we do when we don't know what to do? 
Lord, it's my prayer that you help each and every one of us this morning. Let us feel your presence this morning. Let us know this morning that your word is life-changing. And if we'll just apply these things to our life, it can begin to help us get from where we are to where we're meant to be in you. Lord, it starts out by us requesting and having a lifestyle of prayer and requesting and spending time communicating with you. And Lord, I pray that you help every one of us to begin to do that. Whatever it is that you're going through right now, church, I want you just to begin to pray and give it to God even now. Request, begin a lifestyle of requesting and prayer. Lord, help us to realize at that point we need to receive. We need to listen to what you're trying to tell us because it's through listening through your word and through the wisdom of others that you will guide us and show us what to do. Lord, let us be willing to reflect over our lives and through your word and let it be an encouragement to realize that what you've done for others, you will do for us. The things you've done for us in the past, you can do in our future. Lord, I pray that you help us and give us the courage because some people right now are trapped. They're holding on to this little bit of what they have and they're afraid to turn loose in faith and take that step of faith and give it to you. And Lord, I pray that you help us, every one of us, have the courage to react in faith, to step out in faith. It's my prayer that you help us do this, God. Lord, help us to realize that you can take our little bit and you can turn it into a lot. You can give us the wisdom we need to get us through. If you receive that this morning in your life, say amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? I'm so glad you're here. Let me just say this. I say it almost every week. This is a safe place for you. We're all a work in progress. Every one of us here have baggage. Every one of us here have stuff that we're trying to get through and go through. This is a safe place for you. This is a safe place for your family, your friends, your neighbors, people that you know. I want to encourage you this week to ask God to open a door for you to invite someone to be with you in church and then plan on being here next week. If you have any questions about small groups, they happen on Wednesdays. Uh, If you have any questions about that, see me or one of the staff. We can get you plugged into a small group, start making connections and getting plugged into church. God bless you. Shake someone's hand, invite someone to lunch. We'll see you next Sunday.